The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me again on Buffalo Rumblings on the Buff Hub. Today is a very special day because I have a good friend of mine, Sal Capaccio. You can follow him at Sal Sports on Twitter. He is the host and podcaster of WGR 550. Um, Sal, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for your time. I'm doing awesome, man. It was great to get back to football last week. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you reaching out and you asking. And uh, it's that time of year where we can start finally talking football again after a lot of wondering what we were going to be able to see, how it was going to look, and if it was ever even going to happen. Okay, real quick. So I noticed in your profile, uh, you mentioned you're a drummer. So what do you like drumming to? (laughs) Um, So I started playing drums when I was in third grade. And we all had to kind of pick an instrument. Well, my brother was a drummer as well. He's three years older than me. So he was playing drums. So I chose to play drums. I don't know, around the house, we were always banging on things, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I've always been kind of coordinated. I've always been coordinated and things like that. So I chose the drums and pretty quickly, I think, realized I was pretty good. I was with like the, in, in fourth grade, I remember I was working in the fourth grade kind of drum class and they moved me up to the fifth or sixth grade class already, you know? So I started, you know, doing that. And then by the time I got in seventh grade, I was working and playing on a drum set, playing in the jazz band and the regular band. And then as I got older, um, you know, I, I just, I played here and there when I could. The problem is I've always been an athlete. I've always been playing sports and I never really had a time to be in a band or anything like that. I had a drum set. I owned one when I lived in Florida and I literally would just put on some headphones and I'd jam once in a while to whatever. It doesn't matter. I like to play jazz. I like to play rock. It doesn't matter. And then um, I moved to Buffalo. I had to get rid of my drum set. Didn't have room. But my son, who's six years old, Max, he has a drum set, a little one for himself. <laughs> nice. So my brother actually uh, got it for him for Christmas a couple of years ago. So once in a while, I'll just actually sit in his little drum set and play it. And he'll pretend to sing or play the guitar or we'll reverse roles. So really, it's about Max these days. But if I get a chance, I never, Eric Wood does a... Um, does a uh, an event for his foundation every year where he has a band play. It's over. It's in Buffalo. Last year was at the Aloft Hotel. And the band, I've gotten to know the band really well. And they let me sit in and play the drums now. And last year we did. I sat in and we played um, Summer of '69, and I played drums during. Oh, nice! Yeah, it was awesome. Little Brian Adams. <laughs> yeah, Little Brian Adams. So it was pretty cool. So everything, I guess. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It's funny because you say like you were more inclined to sports. You didn't get too much into drumming, like in that time of your life. And mine was the opposite. So like I literally chose music over sports and I was heavy into baseball, heavy into football. And then I just decided in high school, like, you know what? I want to really get good at guitar. And so now I got like 
about eight guitars that my son newborn he's gonna be able to choose from as he gets older (laughs) that's amazing you know max actually wants to learn how to play the guitar so we were we were actually on the verge of setting up lessons right before the pandemic and then we just couldn't do it because of the pandemic but um i think like a lot of people told me it's you know because kids learn you know, through FaceTime and things like that these days so well that you could actually do guitar lessons pretty well over the internet and over, you know, learning through a FaceTime lesson or whatever. So I think we're going to try and do that and maybe even eventually get him back into uh, work with somebody. That's what I'm talking about. Make sure he just listens to a lot of Metallica, a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan. He'll be <laughs> Wait, fine. Is that what you like to play? Stevie Ray Vaughan, Metallica, like the, you the, name the hard it, stuff man. like that? Yeah. You know, I just, I guess I got more advanced and I started realizing that if I can learn these songs, I think I can learn any, I can learn anything. So. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm a, I'm an Iron Maiden fan. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, Bruce Dickinson. Um, yeah. I went to see, uh, went to see Motley Crue when they were at uh, Dairy My dad Lake loves Motley Crue. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Dude, I love it. I made my wife watch the dirt, uh, you know, the Motley Crue uh, thing on Netflix. So we watch it and she's like, wait a minute, Tommy Lee. And I said, yeah, she goes, that's who we saw when we went to Dairy Lake. I'm like, yes, he's the drummer. Right. But um, oh. I'm into that man, Van Halen, uh, you know, whatever. I, I love that hard rock stuff. Well, before we dive into a history of rock and roll, because we will, if you keep pushing that button on me, ah. we got to talk about the Dolphins and Bills real quick, Sal. Um, you know, I'm super excited about this matchup. And obviously, something that everyone's pointing to is the whole fans in the stands, uh, you know, in Miami. So what effect do you think that's going to have on both teams going in this week? Well, I'd like to know out of the 13,000 that are going to be let in, how many are going to be Bills fans? Because, you know, it could be, it could be kind of embarrassing. It already is for the Dolphins in a lot of ways when Bills fans take over Hard Rock Stadium. But can you imagine if 13,000 fans and like really over half of them are Bills fans? It's going to be amazing. So I think from that standpoint, I'm super interested. I'm interested in all the Bills fans. I hear they're going down there because you got to quarantine on the way back. You're supposed to at least for two weeks once you come back from Florida. Yeah. Uh, who's going to do that? Um, I don't think it'll have any competitive advantage for either team, no matter what, uh, it, it, that, that amount of fans just doesn't make a difference. I think the only time it would come into play as an actual competitive advantage is when it's a full throttle, full stadium. And then a team comes back in their own stadium. They can't have anybody. And then you're like, wait a minute, we just played on the road, all these people, 70,000 going crazy. We come back and there's nobody that we have that can give us a competitive advantage. So I think just it's going to be interesting to see what it looks like. But let's remember on TV, you don't see most of the fans anyway. You know, the TV shot is mostly, I'm not even going to say all 22. It's really about probably 20 guys out of the 22, maybe 19 guys. So you don't really see the fans like that. And, you know, for the radio broadcast, I'm not going to be there anyway. It's, um, you know, we're not allowed to go on the road this year as a radio crew. So oh, wow. I won't be able to experience it either. That's interesting. You know, I kind of look at this situation like a 50-50 for both teams. Um, if they let it affect them, great. But, you know, I think they're going to be so tunnel vision yeah. just focused on just execution because it is a divisional game. And you got Miami coming off a loss, Buffalo coming off a win. Miami's one of those teams that they love to just spoil someone's party. I mean, they did it to New England over the years, and they've done it to us before. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a plain and simple situation. I think at the end of the day, for me, it's just treat this week like you treated the game against the Jets. Know that your fans are watching you and just put a show on for them. Well, I think the good news is that, you know, since I've been uh, around, since since Sean McDermott got here, I should say, I've been covering the team, you know, before that. So, but since he's gotten here, the one thing that's always stood out to me is his consistency. That's the way he is. The Bills don't, you know, ride the waves, so to speak. They're always the same team. So I think that message that you just said is exactly what you're going to get, which is that's how you have to approach every game. Whether you're on the road, at home, fans, no fans, it doesn't matter. You just go up, you show up, you do your job. True that. So, hey, how about we get into this next question? Um, 
We're looking at Devontae Parker was limited in practice. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, due to schedule restraints and whatnot, I am hosting Sal Capaccio uh, Wednesday today, and it's going to be airing on Saturday, so you'll be hearing this over the weekend. But, um, you know, as far as we know with these injuries starting to mount up, let's talk about Miami first here. Uh, it looks like he's limited. Now, what will the Miami offense need to do to move against the Bills' defense in the event he's limited or he's just not active that game? Well, it's obviously challenging against the Bills' defense no matter who you have. I mean, they just have a really good defense. I really like Preston Williams and what he brought to the table for the Miami Dolphins. Last year, we started to see it come out. He had a really good connection with um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Then he got hurt late in the year, and he missed a lot of the uh, last part of the season. Um, They don't really have any... Jakeem Grant's there. Isaiah Ford is there. They have a couple of guys. The three-headed monster, you know, we, we thought it'd be a two-headed monster with Breda and Howard, but how about, you know, Gaskin? He's the guy that really got most of the, the work, and he's kind of slippery. I think the matchup that they really have that they can try and use, and I'm interested to see how the Bills match up against it, especially if Matt Milano is out, and that is Mike Gesicki, the um, tight end. You know, he's a, he's a tough matchup. He's a very good pass catcher. He's not going to do a lot of inline blocking for you, but, you know, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of an equalizer in a lot of ways, whereas you could have Ryan Fitzpatrick like last week show up and throw three picks when he's trying to fit balls in a tight windows and just can't do it. Or you can get Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's dialed in like he was a couple of years ago, a few years ago on a Thursday night in Buffalo, and he torched Rex, Rex Ryan's defense with incredible pinpoint passing, right? I mean, so you never know what you're going to get from Fitz. I think it's going to be a challenge for the Dolphins' offense as it is. Um, but you know, Fitz last year did a good job that game here in Buffalo. He was targeting, he went away from Trey, away from Trey, away from Trey. And they were targeting Levi Wallace. And the minute he went to Travis white side, of course he picked him off near the goal line. Right. So, you know, Fitzpatrick's smart, he's going to figure out ways to attack. But I think Gusecki is, is to me, uh, the matchup they have to worry about, especially, but if Dante, Devante Parker does play, you know, they, they have some pretty good talent on the outside with him Williams. Yeah. You know, I have a gut feeling they're going to try to run the hell out of the football. Um, once they saw on the injury report of the bills, you got Milano and Edmonds. Oh man, we got to run the football down their throat, average four to five yards, get in short yardage situations on third down. And, you know, I do think that the bills are probably going to have to run a very strong nickel scheme in the, in the sense where they're probably going to have to rely on that front four to set the tone and those two linebackers and safeties to help against the run. Uh, you know, if we're not running a four, three, uh, throughout the entire game, that's something I'm concerned about. Now, if we're talking about Devontae Parker and how he will match up if he's limited and he still, he still goes, or let's say he's just not playing. Number one, Tredavious White is going to have a good game. You know, uh, as much as I don't wish injury on someone because I think it's a terrible thing to do, I mean, fact of the matter, if, if, uh, if an unhealthy Devontae Parker is playing against Tredavious White, yes, it's great to have him on the field if you're the Dolphins, but Tredavious White's going to have a great game. I mean, well, he's I think- not there. Yeah, I think the question is, you know, do you, if you're Leslie Frazier, do you, let's say Parker's playing, look, one thing is if, if Parker's on the field, you have to treat him as if he's healthy. You can't just automatically assume he's not going to be able to run every, every route or whatever. So if he's on the field, then my question is, do the bills match up Tredavious White against him? Or do they just play left side, right side, like they did last week and say, you know, we're not concerned. We're just going to play our defense straight up, you know, the way we have to. Uh, the, the running game is a, is a good point. I mean, last year, the Dolphins came to Buffalo and they were horrible running the ball. Then they actually brushed it off some big runs last year after they came to Buffalo and they, they kind of put him in, gave him some fits a little bit. So, you know, we'll see, but it's early. Like we said, we're recording this on Wednesday. Tremaine did practice on a, a limited or he did not practice, but he was out there doing some stuff. He, he did not practice officially, but he was out there doing some stuff. He didn't have any pads on or anything like that. So we'll see if he can play, you know, the bills, 
you know, their, their backup linebackers are also banged up. Uh, Delshawn Phillips, Tyrell Dodson, but Dodson did practice uh, with a red contact jersey, so non-contact. So we'll see what happens. But I, I'm curious how they would play with Devontae Parker. Will they match up Tredavious White? Will they not? If he doesn't play, you're probably just looking at going left to right. But if he does, I wonder if they say, let's just put Trey on him. True that, true that. Hey, how about we jump into the next question here then? Because it just perfect segue. Let's say the Bills shut out the Dolphin, shut out the Dolphins for the first half. Does Tua get his first start? You know, I don't think so. Uh, you mean does he start in the second half? Is let's say asking? let's say Bills go up twenty one or twenty eight zip, and then they're looking for answers out of the quarterback position. They're struggling. Does Tua get his first start in the second half? I, I don't know. Um, from everything I'm hearing from Miami and people that, you know, I follow down there and I read and I trust and I talk to, um, there just seems to be this belief. They don't want to do that. Now, sure. You might get so desperate where you say, look, he's on the roster. We kept him because he's healthy. Let's put him in. I think the question though, is even if it's only 20, even if it's 21, nothing, do you really want to a tongue Viola's first time on the field to be against a Buffalo bills coach defense and talented defense? I don't know if that's the best thing for Tua. Um, you may want to just dial them back. Look, they have, I think they have a Thursday night game. Is it next week? Are they playing week three Thursday night? I have to check on that. But after that, whatever that, that Thursday night game is the next week might be the week you want to start him because he'd get 10 days to prepare. You know what I mean? So you might have a little extra time. So sure. They could give him some snaps. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him snaps. I don't think they'd come out of the locker room starting him. Um, I think that's a lot of pressure to say, Hey, by the way, we're looking for you for a comeback. Oh, oh yeah. And, and yeah, that's uh, the Buffalo bills defense you're facing. I don't know if, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's really the smartest thing to do. And people in Miami that I like said, know and trust and follow this team really well. They seem to be of the belief that, you know, the dolphins aren't quite ready to do that yet. You know, and I look at it this way. If, Fitzpatrick just plays the entire game as a terrible game. Then he faces the Jaguars on a Thursday night. Four days later, you do have that ten game or that ten day, uh, you know, gap to get to a ready. But guess who he's going up against? The Seahawks. Yeah, that's so, tough. So, so is there ever, got 49ers. Is there ever a time? I don't know, but I, I just don't know if now is the time. But sure, I, I, if this game gets out of hand in some way. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tua taking snaps. I definitely would be surprised to see him come out of the locker room and start the second half. My question is, what are they trying to protect him from? I mean, if he's, if he's just not producing at practice, I get it. But if he's better than Fitzpatrick, they should have just started him in week one. And now he's going to Buffalo. Yeah. I'm not so sure he is. Um, You know, I mean, there were some reports at camp that he was struggling in the beginning. He looked okay in some practices, um, I, I wouldn't say that he would be better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, even if Fitzpatrick struggles, it doesn't mean that he's right away better than him. And, and the other thing you're protecting him from is let's remember, even though you kept him on the roster because he's healthy coming off that awful injury, he never, he wasn't in your facility and with your doctors the whole time. And he didn't have all that camp time. And you know, th- they need to maybe just have this acclimation period for him. It's interesting. I don't know. I think they're in a tough spot. Look, the bills didn't want to play Josh Allen two years ago, but they were yep. forced to. They put him right in and then he had to start. So anything can happen, of course, but we'll see. But I, I, I don't think that they believe that he's ready to take over quite yet. And they don't want to do that right now. Absolutely. So now that we're talking about quarterbacks, so let's jump to the Buffalo Bills side here. All you Bills fans, let's talk about Josh Allen. What does Josh Allen need to replicate in order to have success against the Dolphins? Well, I mean, that 72% completion percentage would be nice, right? I mean, <laughs> that was amazing. I mean, he threw the ball 46 times. He threw for close to 72%. I think if you can throw the ball 40 times and complete 70, I don't care how many times you throw it. If you, if you throw the ball that much, you complete 72%. That's something really good that you should want to do again. And that would give him a lot of success. But 
But the answer, I think, lies in what I saw the New England Patriots do to them. Going back and watching, I watched the uh, Patriots-Dolphins game yesterday, and Patriots had a lot of success running Cam Newton. And I know that that's been the talk (laughs) this week in Buffalo on social media and our station, WGR. Is Josh Allen running too much? Should he run this much? You know, it's not just the fumbles, the injuries and things like that. I have bad news for people who don't want Josh Allen to run that much, and that is that that might be the best formula to win again this week because they could not stop Cam Newton from running. He had 15 carries for 75 yards and two touchdowns, and they seemed lost on the read option sometimes. Now, it'd be nice if he could hand it off to Devin Singletary and Frank and um, and uh, Zach Moss, excuse me. I got Frank Gore on the mind because he's going to start for the Jets this week, <laughs> yeah. um, with, with Bell out. But it'd be nice if they could hand those, to those guys and they could just don't have to worry about Josh running because they're doing, they're doing work. That's great. But the way the, the, the Patriots beat the dolphins was they were using Cam Newton as a weapon. And, and I think the bills are going to have to do that again. Look, I'll say this Sal. I went on the record well before, like this was months ago about Josh Allen continuing to run those power Josh Allen runs that we see all the time. And it's, it's kind of funny. He looks really, I don't know. He looks kind of funny running the ball, but he's so fast and, one thing that kind of bothers me, though, is that now, as much as I was for that, I don't like the way he was fumbling last game in key situations. This wasn't at the 40 or the 50. This was well inside the red zone, and we most likely could have just blown the Jets out of the water close to 40 points uh, You know, if we would have executed score touchdown there. So I look at it like maybe he, st- he should probably really trust his running backs to hand that ball off in that read option. I don't think he really did because, well, again, maybe he was just seeing that the left was exposed or the right was exposed every time he would try to hand it off to which way he wanted to do it. Um, I thought it was interesting. What I, what I do want to see replicated, I love Dawson Knox behind the offensive line. I think it's really tricky for the defense to figure out because he can get behind in the screen game. Um, you know, he can block. Uh, he can really be a, a great decoy. Um, you know, the thing about me is like, I'm looking at the pressure and the momentum that I felt was lost because of those fumbles is you look at the second half here, Sal last game. I mean, you got only six points scored for the Buffalo bills in that second half. I think that's terrible. Uh, you know, you got to at least put up 14 or 13 points, give a touchdown. Um, I know you're up a significant number and you can rely on your defense, but let's say Miami plays a little bit better than what happens. Those fumbles, those turnovers start to backfire. So what I think needs to be replicated, yes, bring Dawson Knox behind. Let's, let's, start, let's keep going with that read option. Uh, I want to see the man-to-man coverage exposed again. I thought he did a great job getting the ball to Stephon Diggs, uh, you know, getting the ball inside the numbers uh, last game. And I think one thing for sure could happen if he's able to expose that man-to-man coverage and cover three is you get Stephon Diggs, uh, you know, involved, you start stretching the field more and that's what everyone wants to see, right? Yeah. They're going to see a lot of man to man this week. That's what Miami likes to play, but there's a big difference between the jets corners and the dolphins corners and you're facing Byron Jones and Xavier Howard this week. So, I mean, you're going to, you're going to have a little bit of a different time and yeah, we'd all love to see that. And the, the pick your poison for Miami is if you play man to man, now you are turning your back and allowing Josh Allen to run now and scramble, you know? So th- there, there, there are going to be some challenges against this defense that there weren't last week. But the thing about Josh Allen running to go back to your original point is, look, I've been saying the same thing. Anytime I went on any show throughout the entire summer and somebody'd say, is Josh Allen going to run 
as much? I'd say, I hope so, because he's really good at it and the Bills need him to, to win. I mean, that's why they drafted him. They didn't draft him to sit in the pocket all the time. They drafted him because he's this big, strong weapon, both with his arm and his legs. And if you take that away, you're effectively neutering him. And then here's my thing. And you're neutering the offense. If, if people have an issue with Josh Allen fumbling, which they should, I agree. He needs to hold on to the ball. That's not Brian Dable's problem. That's Josh Allen's problem. The, the best formula for the Bills to win might be Josh Allen running. But then Josh Allen needs to hold on to the football. You know, I don't think Brian Dable can coach scared and I can't let this kid run because he might fumble. Well, he, he can fumble in the pocket too. This is on Josh Allen, the fumbling issue. The only reason why Brian Dable might want to dial back the running is because of maybe exposing him and injuries and things like that. To me, the fumbling part of it, that's a Josh Allen problem. He has to fix that. But if that's part of your arsenal and your weaponry and how you win games, then you need to do it because that's the object. True that. You know, I look at one thing that was a struggle for me to watch is seeing Zach Moss getting 11 yards on nine attempts. I mean, goodness gracious, what is it going to take? Hopefully they can fix that in practice. You know, we can obviously jump more into the running game more, but, uh, you know, I agree with you, Sal. I think if it's part of the game plan, Josh Allen, just protect the football, put two hands on it. Not one, you know, you're not Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Lamar Jackson's really good with that one hand uh, right. protection, but I just don't think that's in his game to be able to do that. Um, so like, let's jump into the, I feel like the elephant in the room here is all these nagging injuries that we came out of the Jets game with. So can the Bills defense still put enough pressure on the Dolphins offense? I know it's a little bit redundant, but we're, if, we're, if we can dig a little bit deeper into that, because yeah, I feel like we really should. You got Matt Milano is a big name. Everyone's, everyone wants to see him resigned and whatnot. So what do you think, Sal? Well, I mean, if you go back by last week, I believe Sam Darnold had uh, some of the smallest time to throw, you know, um, least time to throw in the league. Uh, he was under pressure a lot. The Bills did a really good job to get around Darnold. They didn't get him down all the time, but they did a really job to get him around. So as far as putting pressure on him, um, yeah, I think they can do that. The, the thing the Bills did last week is they really rotated all their defensive linemen. And that'll come in handy And now that they did that because they have to go down to a very hot Miami sun and play. And they're going to always rotate their D linemen. But it was interesting last week, if you look at the snap counts, out of the eight defensive linemen the Bills had active, Every one of them played at least 16 snaps and no one played more than 36 snaps. I believe it was, which is pretty incredible. They were all within 20 snaps of each other, eight different guys. So, you know, I think that having that defensive line rotation, you know, would really help the bills, especially this week, going down to Miami, being a little hotter And Miami, Miami starts a couple of rookies on the offensive line. Um, and I know that, you know, people had a lot of really good things to say about Austin Jackson, uh, but Solomon Kinley is also a rookie at right guard. So we'll see if, you know, we'll see how they can handle it. I think the bills need to, do some things that maybe these guys haven't seen yet in the NFL, try to put them in a spot where they have to make decisions, communication, all those kinds of things that to try and force them to break down. Absolutely. So, Hey Sal, how about you give us a score prediction real quick here? Um, well, I'll do it here, even though I'm, I'm usually trying not to do it until Sunday when I'm on the radio, <laughs> but I'll give it one. one. You're not airing yeah. until Saturday. So we're okay. Um, yeah. I'm going to say 27 to 16 bills. They'll, they'll win by one more point. They did last week. We'll say 27, 16. Uh, I do like the bills to get into the twenties again. I think that they're an explosive offense this year that is going to really try to win kind of the way they did last week, throwing the ball a lot, using the run more as a complimentary to the, to the passing game. Um, and I think they will have opportunities. I think they can get in the mid twenties and maybe tack on a field goal later, something like that. I'll say 27 and the dolphins, you know, they, they have an ability to, you know, make a play or two here or there. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I, I think ultimately asking them to score over 20 points is tough against this bill's defense. I'll say 27, 16. All right, give my score prediction here. I got Bills at 34-20. I think that we uh, start to clean up those uh, 
all those fumbles, we start to really execute more. It's Stephon Diggs getting more involved now that we're a lot more comfortable offensively. And yeah, I think the Bills are going to have a little hiccups here and there against the Dolphins uh, defensively, just because I'm not too confident as far as how that rotation is going to do against the do against the offense of the dolphins with all these injuries. So I got the bills again at 34, 20, uh, Sal, thank you so much for your time. You know, this was such a, such a joy to have you on here. So, Hey Sal, how about you tell all the audience where they can find you on Twitter and on your radio show? All right. Obviously, uh, I'm on WGR all week, morning and afternoon, giving everybody updates on the bills, WGR sports radio, five fifty. Uh, you can catch me calling the game as part of the bills radio network on Sunday social on Twitter at sell sports. And we got a, a new venture we're la- launching. Uh, it's just uh, started. So since this is airing on Saturday, I'll tell you it's every Thursday night, it's going to come to you live seven thirty PM to 8 PM. It's called sell sports live. And you can catch it on either Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, whatever your platform is. It's going to be pretty cool. And we'll just talk bills for a half hour. So, uh, Lots of places. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Sal. Thank you all for listening. Go Bills. Let's have some fun this Sunday. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. 